0: All right, June 7th, sunny June 7th, losing in Guru? What's going on there, grass Happy Sunday.
1: How you guys doing? All right?
0: Yeah, doing pretty good. We're fired up for this uh, podcast episode. We got a, a special guest, Term. Term, how's it going?
2: Doing well, fellas. Doing well. Thanks for uh, inviting me on and having me with you
0: yeah we're gonna we're gonna have fun on this one we're gonna talk about auction drafts and uh some strategies and uh you know not 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 players uh but just basic strategies and thought processes that goes into auction drafts so you know well, let's start with this all, all three of us are in multiple leagues term might be the only person i know that actually participates in more leagues than I do. So I, I guess the, the the question that I'll ask both you guys, and we could just start off with Term, get his uh, thoughts on this, is well, when you're in multiple leagues, right? So I, I've seen people try all of these philosophies, and you tell me, Term, which one you try out of these uh, or if there's a variation. So I've seen people that – just feel they want to get as many of the same players in in these leagues as they can get. I've seen philosophies where a guy will say, "Okay, here's a core group of players, and I'll just try and get as many of that group." I've seen where a guy will say, "There's one player, and I want to get him in every single league I'm in." I've also seen the philosophy of every league is completely different. Once I finish with that draft. I'm with the new one, and uh, the other one is it can change year to year, and I may have some thoughts on all of those things, depending on the year. So, Term, how would you say your th- what you're thinking is on being in multiple leagues? Which of those uh, those thought process would you say you follow the most?
2: Uh, you know, I really try to be pretty flexible. Um, I mean, it all talks with your preparation and your studying, and I think when you're doing your studying, you shouldn't really be studying, focus on one kind of league or one kind of rule. You should have a pretty balanced approach where you can kind of enter different leagues with different rules, different settings. I mean, I might make my list and I might mark guys off because if it's a keeper league versus a non-keeper league, they might have value in 2021. So I might highlight those guys and just be prepared to, you know, adapt for a league like that. Um, yep. You also might enter a league and you're, you're, you have one plan laid out, and then maybe you don't know the people in the league or the other team owners, and then they throw you for a loop, and you just adjust on the fly. Um, I compare a lot of it to poker. If you're going to be a poker player, sometimes you're at a table, and you know the people, you've been playing with them for an hour, you know they're you're about to have a few tells, you kind of know what you're going to see. And then sometimes they break the table up, and you move over, and you're like, all right, I've been aggressive the last hour, I'm ready to go. And you see everyone's overly aggressive, and you just become passive and sit back and say, uh, "Let me wait for my time and jump in when I need to." So.
0: Okay, so you're 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 the thinking every draft is a new draft; it's completely different. I'm not gonna let what I've done in other drafts affect how my thinking, what my thinking is going to be coming into a new draft. Would that be fair to say?
2: I think so. I mean, I try to give all 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 players that I'm gonna possibly see nominated in in an auction league, uh, a price or a range where I see they are. So even if a player, I don't like him and I don't want him, if the price is at a certain price, he still might be very valuable at that price. So I just, like I said, every league is a different mindset and every situation is a new situation. Just be prepared, plan A, plan B, plan C, and, and do your best.
0: Absolutely. But I I will say one thing I remember, though, with you is I think I I think it's going as far back as 2006. That was his rookie year. I remember specifically talking with you after our draft, and I think you said that you got Marcus Colson in every league that you were in that year except our league. It was something along those lines. So is, that your, is my memory right about Marcus Colson, that you loved him his rookie year and you, you ended up having him in a, in a bunch of leagues that year?
2: You know, I just think that there's something about uh, tight ends that are young before they're known who play college basketball, and um, I believe Colson did. And I remember he had, like, a really good game, like, the third preseason week, and still nobody was rising him up on their list. And I know I did one really deep league, and I had the last pick. It was a draft, and I drafted him with the last pick. And then when we did your league, I uh, I went in on one player, and I thought nobody was going to know Colson, and it was – uh. Uh, Eric Bosack. Yes, he uh, he. No- I I nominated him at fifty cents. I think we were doing fifty cents at the time. He said one dollar. I couldn't go one <laughs> fifty. Right. Was my end of my draft, and he kept him for
0: four years. So- that's exactly that's exactly right. So, alright, so we kind of guided the philosophy of that. Now, what about you? uh What's your thinking in these, when you head into multiple leagues? Which of those philosophies that I mentioned, is everyone different? Is there a player? Because I know for a fact you've had players where you've mentioned and you've tried to get them in every single league or as many as you can. So what's the philosophy on your, with your thinking regarding multiple leagues?
1: Yeah, so. Uh, you know, as Terms said, there's different personalities, different flavors, different styles. And I think some some guys bring their same game to each and every draft. Some guys do diversify. You know, I love Terms' analogy of poker because I think there is such a gaming aspect to a, to an auction draft. Uh, and in addition to that, I'll go one step further. You know, for me, it's a lot like an, I- investing where, you know, you're looking at an asset and, you know, sometimes you don't want to uh, – you, you do want to diversify your portfolio. So having too much exposure in one particular player could be a risk. But, you know, if you feel really strongly about that player, like Marcus Colston, uh, which at the time I wasn't in draft, I wasn't in the league with you guys, but I loved Marcus Colston as well. And uh, out of Hofstra, a uh, local school here in Long Island, that no, I don't think they have a football program anymore. But, but nonetheless, you know, I, I like the strategy of trying to find – You know, those little diamonds in the roughs. Um, But certainly, you know, knowing the different styles of the players in your league is really important. If I feel really strongly about a particular player, there's a good chance he's going to be on three or four of my five teams that I currently have. But I I won't, I I do like some diversification in, in, in kind of how I plan my lineups because there's a lot of players that I do like. I do go into a lot of drafts with do not draft lists. Um, So unlike term, even if a player is of low value, uh, if I don't like the player or the team or the offense, I'm staying away from that. And I'm staying away from it in all leagues. So I I, I kind of I'm a little bit more, um, I I guess, specific when it comes to that sort of thing. But I, I, I do think flexibility is very important because you can go into a draft with a concrete plan and it can very quickly go a different way and 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 what do i mean by that you know you may go in thinking that hey this year i think quarterbacks are going to be a little cheaper or uh, wide receivers will be more expensive and 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 you get into the draft and all of a sudden everything you thought goes away and and you ha- and you have to change your style and you know go to plan b or bl- potentially plan c so i think that's Super important as well, but I, I do like, like I said, I love the poker analogy, and I think the market aspect of this, in terms of analysis, I think is also very representative of what it takes to move through a fantasy draft.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's easier to get, uh, you know, if you're, in a, if you're in a bunch of leagues, I think it's, it's easier to get a core group of players on your, on all of your rosters or in some of your rosters if in, in, in snake drafts. Because it just seems like when you do snake drafts, you just kind of get a feel when a player is going to fall to you, where he's been going, uh, what his, uh, you know, you know the level is uh, of excitement on the player, uh, how, how much they're moving up or down. Once you start getting involved in an auction draft, all it takes really is just one person to kind of have have a similar viewpoint as you on a player and then you know you're off to the races as far as a uh, uh, bidding war goes and uh, and you know in our league you know there's some guys that are it's, it's difficult uh when you get into a you know a bid against them the it's uh you know we have guys like Joe where if you're bidding against him, you know, you know he may just keep going. So that that leads me to my next point about auction drafts itself. Um I think One of the things that are important in an auction draft is being a defensive bidder in a draft and what I mean by that is you got guys who are kind of worried and just looking at their own team and it's not that they're not following everyone's roster but they're kind of just concerned about winning bids and players on their own roster but I think the three of us have all proven that we're defensive bidders as well meaning that in some cases we'll put our entire draft at risk to make sure that another GM doesn't get a player at a price that we think he shouldn't be or we know he wants and we're going to kind of make him pay up for a little bit more. So let me start again with term when it comes to defensive bidding and looking at that aspect of auction drafts, how aware are you of it? And how much does that figure into
2: your drafts? Um, I mean, I think it's really a huge factor. Um, I think one thing, if, if you're going to be successful in auctions. I think one of the things you really need to be good at is math, and maybe quick math, because if you keep track of everyone else's roster and you can keep track of everyone else's dollars and adjust really quickly, I mean, you're only going to do money counts every couple of times around the room, every couple of times when you go 20, 30 players. If you if you could follow along in between and see what's going on, see what people still need to spend money on and calculate the money, you, you could be in really good shape. But sometimes you might be saving money for you know two or three sleepers you want at the end or maybe some position that there's a lull and not a lot of wide receivers were nominated. And then you notice maybe, you know, there's 12 people on the quarterback list, 11 of them are gone. You have one, someone else still needs one, and they're about to get, you know, whoever the next guy is, Phillip Rivers, let's say, at a good price. And you just say, you know what, I'll take him as my backup and overpay just to force him to pay more money and it'll help me later when we try to bid on that sleeper that we need. So, yeah, I think... You definitely need to keep track of what everyone's doing and um, be prepared to change it on the fly and, you know, be strong. There's nothing wrong with having a good fourth running back or a good fifth receiver because you could always trade. So, yeah, just be defensive when you need to be, yeah.
0: I agree with you completely about it being an important and a huge factor in auction drafts. I don't think it's something that's necessarily <clears throat> talked about enough or given uh, enough importance to it a What about you, Guru? Uh, at these drafts, uh, you, you know, you're also a guy that is aware of it, being a defensive bidder, making other people feel a little bit of pain, uh, not even necessarily for a player. It could be a, for a player that you want. It could be for a player that you just think the other guy needs. So give us some thoughts on that. Um, is that also a big part of your uh, draft strategies?
1: I think I know at certain points in a draft that I have to play policeman, especially as you said, I, I, I have my roster, kind of my core roster in place, and, and maybe I'm trying to fill it in. But if I see a guy that's trying to take advantage of a cheap price because we're later in the draft, And guys are afraid to step up because they're saving their money. I'm not looking for someone to get a freebie on that player. So I like playing policeman. I enjoy it. Um, I think you have to be prepared to do that. You know, again, you're going into these drafts. You have a set amount of guys that you're interested in. And there are guys that are on the fringe of that. And even if you can have them on your roster as an additional guy late in the draft, even if it's a little expensive, I don't want anybody getting anybody for free. I think it's super important to know everything that's going on in that draft room you better know what every dollar every team has left position needs because i'm i'm out there calculating you know towards especially like middle to late in the draft all right this guy's got 17 dollars left he needs a quarterback and he needs a receiver and i know who i'm going against if i'm in the same boat so super super important being a policeman in these drafts you got to keep people honest. That's all I can say. I I know there's a few guys in leagues we draft in, and they're dumb enough not to pay attention and write down what other people are doing. It is a cardinal sin, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. I, I think,
0: well, I think anyone that's not keeping track of uh, you know the other teams' rosters, whatever, really shouldn't probably be participating in fantasy football. That's for another another podcast, but. Uh, You know, yeah, yeah, I think it's important that sometimes, you know, you have to look to take the sting out of somebody in an earlier bid with thoughts down the line for players that you may be up against that particular guy against. I know that that's something I, I look at um as well another thing i want to get into is temperament at a draft and i would say term you probably have the best temperament out of anybody i've ever drafted against i mean certainly much better than me uh who i get emotional you know at times frustrating so i want to talk about you know your temperament which is always even keeled what advice would you give in a, when you're in an auction draft and there's a player that you want and you're running up against somebody who just is, is not uh, so much worried about their money and they're willing to pick dollar players all the way at the end? How do you handle it when you're in for a player and either one of two things happen? You either don't get the player at a price that you thought you would have, and even if the player went for even a few dollars more, you couldn't get the player, or you end up paying way over budget for the player because you got into that type of bid. Uh, how do you recover from it? Talk about your temperament at the draft and how important that is.
2: Uh, you know, my, my temperament, I think a lot of it comes from I do a lot of um, deep uh, online auctions. And when you're in a room by yourself, uh, I really don't type too much in the the message board, you know, trash or anything. And I might just sit there two, three, three and a half hours without even getting a play. And I might be in on bids and I'm 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 in the CBS draft room and I'm bidding and I just don't like the way the prices are going. I feel like everyone's overpaying. And later on, I'm going to clean up. So I might sit there and inside I'm smiling, thinking, you know, I'm about to get wide receiver 30 31 32 and 33 where they should be $15 wide receivers and I'm going to get them for six or $7 each because everyone else is going to be out of money so I just try to be patient and try to look ahead Um, I try not to fall in love with too many uh, top ranked players I really I don't try to enter options and say it is a the number one running back or even maybe a top 10 running back that I have to have I try to fall in love with much deeper tier, wider tier guys, so that if I do lose the bid, there's still two or three four pullback options in that tier. And I try to think about it if the price gets a little too high and I go out, that that, that person who got the player now has less money to spend later against me on two or three other bids.
0: So I guess with you, you're falling more in love with the strategy than a player, and you also have deep list and – You know, if you're not going to get over-emotional or upset about a bid because you feel like, okay, you'll you'll let them have that one, uh, you'll let that guy have that one, and you will bide your time, and eventually you'll do well with players that you have on your board who you feel are just as good as the other players that you lost a bid on, but because your list is so deep that you feel patient is going to win out for you.
2: Patience and value at the price. So, like if we can talk about, let's say, uh, the Pat Mahomes price or uh, the Sean Watson price or Tom Brady price, if that price is going to be whatever it is, let's say it's $25, and you're going to tell me that Matthew Stafford later is going to go for $7, is that $18 worth of value? something that I could take that $18 and put it at a running back, a wide receiver, and make out more value. Maybe I upgrade two wide receivers who are like $5 filling to like uh, Hopkins. So if it's guys like that, I'm willing to just sit back and let it go um, and just try to be better later and just try to, you know, have an even keel and uh, a deep lift, like you said.
0: What about you, Guru? I know you, you know, sometimes getting these emotional bids, uh, you seem to be in the epicenter of some of these emotional things that happens. A lot of times you're fighting more with your partner than anyone else in the league. But uh, that, that happens from time to time. Uh, you know, you do get involved in emotional bids. You have emotional things happen to you with these drafts. How do you try and balance being emotional at these drafts And yet, not letting it affect you, and tell us about what happens when you win or lose one of those bids.
1: All right. So certainly, it's it's much more challenging because you guys in the league that we're talking about, you you both don't have partners, which is nice. You got you know your own your own self to look at. It is very challenging when you. Dealing with a partner, and uh, certainly I've had my share of excitement when it comes to my partner in our league uh, in the Bronx. But um, yeah, you know what? I, I probably have a little bit of a balance of uh, a combination of what terms talking about. So, so there are players that I'm going to get emotional about, and I want, and I would include that this year as well. But then, I you know I feel like I have enough players on my list that. I'm going to get some value later in the draft. So I probably don't go as far as Termy goes in terms of kind of... I'll always probably have a couple of bigger names on my team. But at the end of the day, when the draft finishes out, I am going to have some value picks as well. And it is tough. Look, you have to know... There are different league members. There, are, there are the guys that go for the, the big names, or the guys that go for the more balanced roster. We've got sneaky bidders in our league. We got you know guys, you know three hundred pound guys that are st- sticking out their little pinky finger when they're putting a bid out there. Uh, some of the more frustrating things to see, but 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 nonetheless, I, I think you you gotta have to you have to keep things in control. And sometimes things aren't going to go your way, and that goes back to the kind of the plan B and the plan C. So you better have your ducks in a row. So knowing if something does go wrong, you can correct that later on. And I think if your in-depth analysis and and, and and also the depth of your analysis is there, then you'll be able to kind of overcome some mistakes or some emotional bits that you may become involved in.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is, um, that interests me is, you know, the difference in auction versus a snake draft. And I feel when you're doing a snake draft, whether it's live or online, it's really an offensive draft. I mean, you just drafting, you, you can't defend really. There's nothing you could do to stop. If someone's looking to make a wild pick uh, on a sleeper right before you pay, I mean, there's just nothing you could do about it. So I, I love terms analogy about poker. I completely agree with it. And so term, what I want to ask you is, you know, you've been in a lot of leagues for a long time against the same guys in, in, in these leagues. How much of it is the players you're looking at versus the guys in the draft? How do you balance that out? Knowing tendencies, knowing when a guy is like kind of on a speed bid that he's going to keep going, type of player, maybe guys looking at the same type of player you're looking at. How much do you factor the players that you are interested in versus? the guys that are in your league, how do you balance it out, and what's the thinking along in an auction draft where, unlike a snake draft, you're just picking your players, and if somebody tries to do something a little tricky, there's nothing you could do about it. But in an auction draft, if someone thinks they're going to get it like that sleeper guy that you've been waiting on, you can do something about it. So how much is it your players that you're interested in versus guys that
2: you're drafting against uh like you said i mean in an auction there's a lot more defense that you can do i mean you really can't do much in a draft if you have a sleeper who you feel you're going to draft maybe round nine round ten and someone calls him out round four you just have to cross them off and hope you you know your guys that you want to have later still around um he just made a bad pick because he took him too early or he overperforms, and you know he made a nice pick, and everyone says later, "Wow, what a good, uh, a good move you made." Um, it's, it's tough in an auction. Um, yeah, sometimes you get in bidding wars early for guys that you hope would go late. Maybe when people have less money or they're out, and you just want to get them for a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. But now you're spending seven, and those are the guys I tend to fall in love with. Those little late sleepers, and if they come out a little early, that might tilt me a little bit. But, um, yeah, and a lot of it, like you said, is, the, is, is what you know about the teams you're going up against. I know for a fact that in our league, for example, Paul, if there's a rookie running back who's hurt and he's going to be out for the year, and I'm like, wow, I can get him for $2. Just because Paul's in the league, I know now that it's going to cost $5 because he targets guys like that, stick on his IR, and then next year maybe they come back healthy and he has, you know, studs for a couple dollars. Um, in one league I'm in, we, we we were able to draft players who aren't on a roster. So uh, last year at the end of the dra- at the end of the auction, is the keeper league. I drafted Gronk for one dollar. Um, I was upset all year that he never came back, and now I get to keep him this year for one dollar this part of the season. So um, you just you know you have to just have some good uh, good feelings late and some good ideas. Be deep, be flexible, and the more you know about the people around you. Um, it's good but also remember though that when you play poker and you sit at a table and you know everyone around you they also know you so it's, it's different if you're the wild one and then you sit at the table these people know your tendencies so now for, for me for example you know you guys might know hey I better have uh, $70 left one third of the way through the auction I better have uh, 15 to $30 left in the last half hour of the auction if I want to block terms from getting some sleepers that people might not get or maybe you want the guy and you want to have an extra dollar more than me, you know? Absolutely.
0: You. Yeah, there's an old saying in poker that, uh, that, that's probably true. If you look around a poker table and you're not sure who the sucker is, it's most likely you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, are you also interested and you keep uh, track of who's in on a player? Like, are there some guys you will say, okay, wow, that's interesting – this guy is in on the player, and I'm bidding against him. Maybe I'm right about the player. And conversely, will you say, oh, okay, this guy is bidding on this player. Maybe I need to second-guess my thoughts on that player. Does that at all come into consideration of which GMs you think may have a pretty good opinion or uh, on to some rookies? Does that come into any of your views when you're actually in a bid?
2: You know, I, I think... Some of that comes into a bit, not, not to may, really make this broad, but if, you're, if you do multiple sports, like I know you guys do, if you do fantasy basketball, if you do fantasy baseball, it's a little different because there's so many different areas where you can spend your money, where you have to fill up positions. Football, um, it's kind of it's weird because you don't say, I need to add stolen bases or I need more block shots and you target certain kind of categories. You're kind of just trying to fill positions. And if, 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 if you think tight ends is deep and everyone's only going to take one, most people don't care about their kicker. Uh, there's only a few defenses and then everyone every other defense is a couple of dollars. You're really targeting only three positions. So it's not as much you notice something like, Oh, he, he just did a lot of money and lost on a quarterback, so now I need to watch out for him the next three quarterbacks. He might have just liked that quarterback and he might just say, Oh, I'm gonna go now drop down on my list to you know, seventeen to twenty two and take two of those guys rather than overpay for the eighth quarterback on his list. Gotcha. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, you you guys, I remember uh, two seasons ago, both of you guys with Mahomes. Um, Mahomes was on most quarterback lists. I think I've seen him as high at four at that point. He was at six. I've seen some lists where he was eight or nine. And you two guys were going nuts, didn't on him. And I remember saying, oh, if you got a feeling, you got to go for it. But, I, you know, I, I wasn't thinking that he was a 50 quarterback, a 50 touchdown guy that year. And both you guys did. And you both were right. So, I mean, it was just uh, – an important thing to note that, you know, sometimes you get big guys and you got to bid and go for it and uh, just go with your gut. And you uh-huh. guys both did it that year. Yeah,
0: yeah, d- definitely. That was, uh, g- yeah, definitely some emotional bids for sure. So uh, what about you, Guru? Uh, start off with how much are you looking at the teams around you as much as the players? Are you considering who you're bidding against? How does that to come into play at an auction draft where you're trying to weigh the balance of, okay, here's my list of players, and now here are the guys in my league. I know this guy's tendency. I know this guy may be interested in the same players how much you know are you taking into consideration the teams at your draft
1: i mean i would say just a little bit uh, you know there there are a few guys in, in most leagues that I, I really respect uh, the work that they do and the preparation that they do uh, and i res- and those opinions go a little bit further than 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 most and i'd say most of the time that's about a quarter of the participants in, in each of the leagues i'm in Um, You know, I'll pay attention to it, but uh, to me, I'm going in there with a defined game plan already. I'm really not going to let that deter from who, who I like is who I like going into the draft. When I see another person getting interested, it's not going to affect me all that much, maybe once in a while. Like I said, I feel like... You know the preparation time that guys like we put in is is super important. You know, and there's some guys that that you know just kind of drift into a draft with a, with a week or two of work, and you know it's not a week or two of preparation. So generally speaking, no, I I don't really have it. It's not a it's not a big factor for me.
0: So you're you're, not, you're so at an auction draft, you're just worried about your the players. You're not considering the guys that you're in against. I mean, you're not you're not talking about uh like if you see a guy who needs a quarterback, you're not looking at that. You're just uh, an
1: offensive drafter. Are you saying? No, no. the the, the point is, the point that you made about position needs at a certain point in the draft. Yeah, I'm paying attention to that. But, you know, I'm not paying attention to the kind of the the opinion of the guy. That, that's that's what I mean. So from that perspective. But yeah, I, I'm fully cognizant of what people's needs are at the time. Uh, you know, certainly paying attention to that. But, you know, who who's in on a bid, for example, it's not going to really deter me. I come in with, with kind of a set set idea of where I'm going to go and the players that I'm interested
2: in.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. And then, uh, you know, what you know, what else about the draft? Uh, you know, auction drafts, are things that you, uh, you know, may may take into consideration that you wouldn't in a snake draft. That uh, you know, wh- wh- how do you handle a, a sleeper that you think you've been waiting for, and then he gets. You know, with is kind of the same philosophy as term. You'll have a few guys. You won't let it bother you. You will get into a bid, will it depending on the situation. How do you handle that when, like, a sleeper gets thrown out there and it's a guy you're really interested and in, you thought you were going to kind of like, you know, get at the end?
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to try to play it cool. Um, when that player that I like comes out, I'm, I'm going to try not to get too hyped up. I'm not saying that that always happens. I, also, that that goes into your you're nominating of a player or not. There is a strategy in nominations that does have to be thought about. Sometimes you wanna put players out there that will elicit more of a response and an emotion, even if you're not completely interested in that player. And then there's the opposite, where you're really interested in a guy but you don't want to put them out there, you know, for for various reasons. You want to kind of keep them on the down low. You may have a stronger opinion about a guy who's a real sleeper, a dark horse that you'd love to pick up late in a draft, whether it's a auction or. You know, actually, we're talking about auction here, so, so yeah, you may you may hold off on nominating those players. I'm I'm predominantly in auction leagues, so it's not really a, a, a serpentine discussion. But, you know, I think there's a there's a thought process that has to go around in your nominations and, and who you're going to put out there. And sometimes you got to realize certain guys are going to cause more of a reaction. And even if you don't have any interest in that, if you want players to spend some money on a player and you know you got to get them out there, hey, you're going to nominate a player, get them out there, and make sure these people spend some money on it so their money can be spent so you have some money down the road when you're in the bidding process.
0: Fair enough. And a term, you know, I don't think I've asked you this before. Do you have a preference with auction versus snake draft? Are you indifferent? Do you have a real preference to one? And if so, why?
2: Um, I definitely prefer auctions because there's a lot more control. If you want to draft, uh, if you want to auction off and try to get the top three players on your list and spend 90% of your dollars to it, you have the option to do it. If you feel like you can get a dollar kicker, dollar defense, dollar tight end you know, cheap third and fourth receiver, and you just get three studs or four studs, you have the option to do it. As in a draft, unless you're going to make some weird trade after the season starts, uh, it's not going to happen. So it gives you it gives people more options on what they want to do. And I think um, interesting things with auctions also, you have to note sometimes with how deep is an auction. I think uh, a default Yahoo League, for example, is a 10-team league, and they only start two wide receivers. So if you were to do a league like that and set it up as an auction, you might be really aggressive and try to get like two of the top 10 wide receivers. Whereas in a league like your league, for example, we might might draft a hundred wide receivers. Um, I might be more hesitant to try to find little guys to plug in. Sure. And also it's based on scoring, I mean, it, it, is it a is there a, a PPR league where you're going to get a point per reception? Mm-hmm. Guys that go six catches to 70 yards in some leagues, if, if it's a touchdown league, there's no value. And in in another league, as a fourth receiver, that guy might be a dollar and he gets you through by just getting you consistent points and consistent wins. So there's there's so many things you have to factor in. And it just makes it more fun for me, especially when you're adding the keeper stuff. And then there's guys that you have to put values on 2021 and you have to defend that. There's just so many balls up in the air. I feel like it makes it more complicated to people who aren't good at math, aren't good at focus, aren't good at studying. Like Rosso said, if you're going to Buy a magazine two weeks before, circle a couple of names, watch a couple of sports centers, and enter a room with me or you or Grasso. It's not going to work because I've already been going for two months. I've been reading three or four different sites, making notes. And like I said, plan B, plan C, plan D, you just keep adjusting. So,
0: uh, 100%. And so, uh, this is what, uh, you know, we've been, you know, uh, Talking about for week after week after week on this, you know the 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 big difference is it doesn't matter if your league is for a dollar, a hundred, a thousand, a million a team. In an auction draft, you have the right and ability to get anyone unless it's a dynasty league or keeper league. Assuming it's an entirely redraft league, you have the ability to get any player you want if you want to spend. 80% 80% of your money on Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyree Kill, and Pat Mahomes and pick dollar players the rest of your draft, you can do it. If you want to have just a, an even keel team and spend an even amount on some players the whole draft, you could do it. At a snake draft, if you don't have the numbers where you're picking in the first part of the draft, you may not have the ability to get those players. So definitely agree with that. And then the other point, which you would – talked about briefly, is something that I've been saying that is so important. And maybe you could just emphasize this term, how important it is to know the rules of your league, what the scoring is, what the roster size is, uh, everything about the league. And I just think I, I'm amazed at how many people enter a league and they're not quite sure, even after being in the league for years, exactly what their scoring is. So, you know, would you emphasize the importance of knowing your league
2: rules? Oh, 100%. Um, there, there are some leagues where defenses score no points. And you could literally just go by any default list. Um, maybe the, the, if somebody bids two on a defense, you should probably look around and go, oh, it's a waste of a dollar. And then there's other leagues, like your league, for example, where a defense at 9 or $10 and then multiple follow-up defenses going up above $4 and $3 is the norm because the scoring is just like that. Now, if you enter the league and don't know it and you end up with the 24th and 26th ranked defenses, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. Um,
0: No, I agree a hundred percent. So I think term's formula is good temperament, great preparation, great knowledge and understanding of the leagues that you're in. That's his formula for success. I know me and the guru, we feel the exact same way. We try and implement that into our leagues as well. Uh, so even one of you, start with your term, anything else you wanted to add, talk about? As far as auction leagues go, we definitely want to have you back on as we get closer to the season. Talk a little bit about detail. Certainly not you know, I'm going to get your sleeper picks all that from you, but we'd love to have you back on. Is there anything else you wanted to add about auctions? something uh, you know, that uh, we, didn't, we didn't touch base on yet?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you do a lot of preparation. And I, I, mentally, I always feel like I prepare to kind of like Grosso said, thinking about it financially, I kind of prepare where I'm putting values on players and I'm doing my preparation where I can enter almost any league. So if I get any invitation from anyone in the world, any price, any rules, my list and my, my what I know in my head should be enough to get me ready in a couple of days to be able to participate in that league. Um, I think depth, um, if you think your list is deep enough and you stop studying before the draft uh, or before the auction, go back and try to read a little bit more. Um, Last-minute notes right before the season starts, so cut. If you have, like, a, two guys fighting for a fourth receiver on a team and, you just, you know, one of them gets cut the, the day before your auction and you don't read it because you're busy, it can make a big difference, especially if you think one of the guys ahead of them is going to get hurt and they're a, a powerful offense. Um, something to consider. Uh it's just so much. It's, and also, be passionate and have fun at the same time. So
0: you have to. You, if you if you're not having fun, you're most likely not going to be successful. I think they kind of go hand in hand. Would you agree? Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, you know this is my thinking, and I kind of think it's your thinking as well. The more difficult the league is in terms of roster size, the more things going on in the league, the more interested that makes you?
2: 100%. And it's not for everyone. If it's more complicated, if, it, if it's just, you know, the, the 12 guys you've grown up with in your neighborhood and you're doing it for fun over a barbecue and you just want to stay close with your friends, it's not about who wins or loses, other than bragging and rights and the trophy. Um, that's awesome. Just have fun and do it. But if you're going to end the league from you know, all around, online leagues, different states, take invitations, and you're really playing to be competitive and go for that money, you really you really need to prepare. And um, you really just need to, to – the, the more challenging it is, like you said, if, if you have faith in yourself, the better the odds are for you. Because there will be people in the league who can't deal with some of it. They don't know some of the complexities that we're talking about, and they might not ever will. So it just gives you more of an advantage.
0: And, and and this you know this holds true for me. I don't know if you feel the same, but like the league that we're in, we're drafting twenty-four guys. Where you know every guy's stats count, even the players you have in your bench. It's not like a best ball league where oh, that you know the, the your your highest scorers are going to go into your starting lineup. You have to make decisions with your starting lineups You have to um, you know draft a D team. And would you agree with this? Because I, I this is my philosophy that a league like that it kind of makes every other league you're in a little bit easier to. Draft because once you're delving into four and five, the fourth and fifth receivers, the third and fourth running backs, all of those other leagues where you're kind of just drafting 16 or 18 players, it's kind of, you know, fairly easy from that. So would you agree that the difficulty of our league kind of lends itself to making things a little bit easier in the other leagues?
2: Yes, yes. But, you know, sometimes you prepare so much for a deep league Sometimes the problem I come across, I don't know if other people do it. Is I almost feel like I'm overprepared because I fall in love with so many deep guys. Right. I go into a league that's not as deep. I try to calculate how I get all these guys on my roster. And sometimes I think it's an ego thing where I want to be, you know, I want to I want to draft guys that no one else believes in or or knows, just to prove I'm right. But then you also want to be competitive. So sometimes you get into these easier leagues, and I'm like, oh, I want that fourth receiver on this team, and they're not really supposed to be drafted. So you have to kind of course-correct yourself and say, you know what, my list was 100 wide receivers for this league, but in this league it's only going to be 60. So if the 59th guy is some stud that I like and no one else knows about, he still might not be necessary.
0: <laughs> right, fair fair, fair enough. Right. You don't want to over-prepare, understand what you're saying. And what about you, Guru? Um, would you agree the more the complicated the league, the more things going on in the league, the more it interests you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I think so. And I think I think the thing. Yeah, yeah, I I would say I like for me, I like that. But we do realize that we're talking to a multifaceted audience out there. There are a lot of people that are trying to get into the game. I know there's more women that are trying to play the game, which is fantastic. You know, this is a crazy time in our country. Fantasy football is a great way to bring people together. Um, from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of lifestyles. You know, we didn't know each other, you know, growing up. But, you know, I got to know you guys very well over the years. I love being in leagues with you. I love having fun. I love the competition. There are all kinds of crazy characters in the league. There's the clowns. There's the bad sports. There's the lucky, the lazy, the nerdy, the day trader, the homer, the big name guy, you know, all kinds of crazy people. There are a few suckers out there, too. But, look, it's about having fun. I can't wait for football. It's June 7th, as you said. We're going to get ready to start delving into team by team. I'm really excited for that. Um, you know, I, There's nothing more that I love than getting ready for a fantasy football season. And that's what we're preparing to do. Uh, this has been a lot of fun kind of covering things with the both of you. I, I, I consider you guys to be two of the most astute competitors that I go against so I really watch and learn from you guys, and uh, hopefully you get a little bit of that from me too. But it's really exciting competing against guys that are passionate and excited. And I think as Term said, this is about fun. And you know what? Right now, we got to have some fun. And we're, we're heading into a period where we're preparing in, 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 a, in a serious way, but we also want to have a really fun season. And you know what? Complexities are the rules. You got to know all that stuff, but... We're gonna we're gonna do the best we can in kind of sharing our, our, our ideas and and this and this has been fun to talk with both of you.
0: There's no question about it. You got to have fun and you got to enjoy it. I'm not sure why you've almost had about three or four fistfights in the last few years in your drafts with your partner. I guess that's another issue for another another podcast. But uh, you know, I agree. Having fun is the most important thing. It's probably and, my uh, partner, was, by the way. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it was fantastic. But, listen, it was fantastic having Term on. We are going to definitely have Term on again as it gets closer to the season, uh, talking about other uh, aspects of, of drafts. And, uh I hope you enjoyed your time here.
2: Guys, thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a good, great topic and, uh, you know, a lot of fun things to talk about. You know, I take a lot of pride in what I my studying. I know you guys do. And I'm happy to share any uh, tips I can with your with your audience.
0: Absolutely. And as we get closer, you know, we'll delve into
1: uh, a little bit more uh, detailed uh, type podcast and uh, guru. Anything else before we wrap it up? Yeah. So again, just to remind everybody in the audience, because we do want to hear from, from people and ideas that maybe you want to talk about It's uh, You know, if you want to send us an email, it's guru and guru and whiz at gmail.com. For those suggestions uh, we can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and on SoundCloud uh, you know, listen to us, Give us a review. Subscribe to us because we're going to be rapidly firing out information. We're going to have great guests like Term. And we're pressing on here. June 7th, we're moving on. The NFL is moving on. And, uh, you know, everybody stay safe, but uh, we're going to keep having fun at this. That's for sure. All right, guys. All right. Everybody have a great Sunday. Thanks.
2: Thank you. Thank you.